0: Omicron ripping through the United States now as the White House starts to show its frustration with the unvaxxed. From build back better to build back later to build back never, it's looking like. Jo- Joe Manchin torpedoes President Biden's signature legislation, at least for now. And Spider Man swings in with a lifeline for the box office. Monday, need to know. Let's go. morning everybody this is cheddar's need to know podcast for uh december 20th and what a weekend it was i'm carlo versano coming (laughs) at you with baker machado baker i don't even know where where are you right now
1: yeah that is that is the million dollar question uh, good good morning to you Carlo. Good Monday morning to our audience as well. Uh, if you are watching us on the YouTube this morning uh, as you see I am not at Cheddar Studios today. You can see this lovely tree behind me. Uh, I am at my house upstate in New York. Um, we had ourselves quite the interesting sort of weekend <laughs> um, uh, you so I come up uh, to see my husband usually upstate uh, in the week over the weekends. And uh, he wasn't feeling too good on Friday. So we go to uh, get a test, a COVID test on Saturday. And he tested positive for COVID for the Omicron variant. Uh, and even though I am negative, thank you, Moderna booster shot here, uh, I am uh, basically now quarantining for the next two weeks. So it is a COVID Christmas over here at this house.
0: Oh, good Lord. Uh, well, hopefully Jared is um, – yes. how's he feeling? Is he Okay. He's
1: feeling great. I'm sure probably the only symptoms he's feeling is annoyance because he's having to hang out with me while I'm shouting downstairs <laughs> in our living room. But other than that, he's completely
0: healthy.
1: How are you doing? Oh, I, are you, uh, I mean, Omicron has been spreading all over the place, Carlo. It's
0: insane. Dude, they're dropping like flies over here. I've got at least one family member uh, positive. Uh, Christmas is just hanging by a thread. I am just my oh, old goal odd. this week. Is to just make it to Christmas without, um, you know, my, in, my infant daughter getting exposed to COVID. Oh, That's all I want. I don't care yeah, about anything yeah. else. But, uh, it, man, it, it, whew, it's, it's ugly out there, Baker.
1: It's it, It's so crazy because when we did this pod on Friday, we had basically been joking in a serious way. But we were joking, saying... You know, everybody knows at least one person that has tested positive. I had no idea it would infiltrate this close uh, to us. But look, uh, as everything that has been in the last two years, I guess uh, we'll just continue just to keep trucking
0: along with all of this. That's that's all we can do, man. Keep on trucking.
1: All right. Well, so let's dive into some of the headlines and let's speak about uh, Omicron, because with it coming fast and furious, uh, now that the variant sweeping through all parts of the country now, Moderna says their booster shot of their COVID vaccine significantly increases the level of antibody protection against the Omicron variant. Pfizer recently said a booster of its vaccine does the exact same. Uh, Dr. Fauci said Americans should brace for some tough few weeks to months to come. That is, Omicron becomes the dominant strain in the U.S., While the White House issued an unusually harsh statement warning that the unvaccinated are, quote, looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families and the hospitals that you might soon overwhelm. Now, President Biden is expected to deliver some version of that message when he addresses uh, the nation tomorrow night, Carlo. But we should note the continue the cases, the new positive cases continue on this huge trek up. We're up 21 percent over the last two weeks. We are now averaging one hundred and thirty three thousand cases on average now.
0: Yeah, uh, the White House putting that statement out after uh, Kamala Harris once again uh, screwed the pooch, tripped all over herself in the messaging department this weekend saying that they didn't see Omicron coming, Uh, which of course – yes, we did. We all saw it coming. I mean the correct thing to say there was – no, we see these things. That's why you have to get vaccinated, right? You get the more vaccinations there are, the less chance right. there are for this stupid virus to continue to mutate. It's, it's incredible to me how bad at, at like, you know, general politics uh, she is, truly. But uh, not to get hung up on that, I think it's back to the virus. It's it's quite evident, I think, at this point that this mutation is escaping both natural and vaccine immunity uh, and it is much more transmissible. I mean, case in point, look at you, right? I mean, you guys were both fully vaxxed <laughs> yes. and boosted. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your husband still got a case of this thing. The good news is this this variant is very clearly much milder than anything that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I shouldn't say very clearly. We don't really know yet, but it sure seems that way. But just I, mean, south I know, of I south know. South, half
1: a of south, Af- south African data, that's what we're getting. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. And everybody I know that has gotten this thing, that they say it's a head cold and it goes away in a couple of days. Um, but, you know, given how transmissible it is and how many people are still unvaccinated, I think to Fauci's point, it still is probably going to get ugly out there uh, in the next few weeks. Um, you know, the failure, though, it's what we talked about last week, right? It's the testing. You know, COVID would not be the life-altering thing that it is right now if we just had plentiful access to these antigen rapid tests, right? The In a perfect world, we've got stacks of these things in our house and we're just taking one before we go out to dinner, mm-hmm. before we go to the movies. And hey, if you test positive, you stay home for a couple of days. It's not the end of the world. Uh, and I'm, I'm really starting to think that, you know, what Jen Sackey said a couple of weeks ago when she kind of scoffed at the idea of sending those tests out. I think that that's going to become the heck of a job, Brownie of the Biden administration. Oh, you wow. Remember that? Remember, remember yes. Bush oh, um, yes. during it, FEMA it, right yeah. after. Yeah, right after Katrina, you know, saying oh, you done, you're doing a heck of a job, Brownie, as the, uh, you know, as that hurricane was destroying that. But I, I say that because that was really the point. I think that was the point of no return for the Bush administration, was Katrina. People True. saw you saw how they responded to Hurricane Katrina, and they said these people, these people are incompetent. They can't do anything right. And he never recovered after that. And I'm starting to think that this is what's happening to the Biden administration now. Uh, by the way, you know, we talked yesterday on Friday about how oh, those COVID tests are actually reimbursable through your insurance. They're actually not yet. That doesn't come no, into effect year. until next month. Yeah. So even if you wanted to spend time with your insurance company on the phone, trying to get your money back, you can't even actually <laughs> do it. Um, here in Brooklyn, meanwhile, the urgent cares are so full. They're turning people away now. Uh, people online at the uh, CityMD uh, facility it's down awful. the street from my house. They're being handed blankets since they're, it's back to being freezing cold outside. So you've got these scenes of people you know, huddled in blankets outside on the street. These pharmacies all have signs on their door saying that they're out of tests. It's like, I don't, it looks like some version of like the Great Depression or, you know, March 2020 out there. Um, but it isn't, of course. It isn't, right? There's, we're not in the same place. So I shouldn't even probably say that. But it's just so, what's so upsetting, Baker, and what's just so depressing about it is, you know, we're the country that built 100 years ago, we built the Hoover Dam and then we went, went on to beat the Nazis and we can't even get the freaking testing right of this thing after two years. Right. We are just a nation of serious decline. It's not, there's nothing else to say. So-
1: so uh, um, the testing situation is interesting because it does harken back to the early days of a pandemic where testing was a lot more difficult because one, they didn't have the testing really to sort of test what COVID was because it was so new. Right. Obviously, the testing has evolved over the last year and a half, two years or so that it should be much more readily available. The problem we're seeing with Omicron is it's spreading so fast, so many people are getting infected, and the tests, the amount of tests that we have out there are not enough out there for the amount of people that need to get them that this is going to be an issue where there's going to be so many people that are not been tested that are out there not knowing what their status is which allows this thing to continue to spread right. and go all over the place and again if we're we're seeing massive spread in a place like New York City which is close to 90% vaccinated imagine what it does when it spreads to other parts of the country that have less than 60% vaccination. What happens in the South? What happens in Florida? What happens to all these other places? That I think, and when you can't test to figure out who's got it and who doesn't, I think that's going to be a huge issue down the road.
0: Well, absolutely. It's all the more reason. I don't know why Biden doesn't just come out and say, look, we're going to authorize the Defense Production Act. We're going to you know, have the military take over. We're going to so get do these out the door. Do something. The testing is really the key here, I think.
1: All right, so let's talk about some other stuff that's on Joe Biden's plate because he's got a lot to really deal with, and that's because his entire he domestic weekend. agenda. <laughs> oh, man, that, and that's an understatement. His entire domestic agenda now looks like it's dead in the water. That's because Senator Joe Manchin, who we've talked about ad nauseum for the last year or so, said over the weekend that he cannot now support the Build Back Better bill in its current form. Manchin shocked the White House when he went on Fox News on Sunday and said it is a hard no on the $2 trillion bill completely dooming it in its current form. The Build Back Better legislation provided $500 billion for tax breaks on spending uh, and spending on climate change, as well as billions more to expand the social safety net by creating free preschool and expanded childcare aid. Uh, Politico reported yesterday what I thought to be the most interesting thing was he had not given, apparently, the White House a heads up that he was going on Fox News to announce this. Fox News, by the way, didn't even know the bomb that he was about to drop on Brett Baer when it happened. And then when the White House got word about what he was doing. They apparently tried to call his aides and the aides immediately directed the White House to voicemail. They didn't even answer the call from the White House. Just going, And that's why you saw that sort of scathing statement come out from Jen Psaki yeah. yesterday, really going after Joe Manchin. But look, this was the whole reason why progressives like AOC and Pramaya Jayapal uh, they and Bernie Sanders they were right, it seems like, from the get-go. They knew if they um, if they allowed that bipartisan infrastructure bill to get passed without the Build Back Better bill in tandem, they knew it wasn't going to get passed. They kept telling us that Joe Manchin wasn't going to support it. And Joe Manchin kept saying, you know, basically the opposite, saying, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll listen, you know, all of this. And it turns out the progressives were right here at the end of the day, Carlo.
0: I guess I mean that's that's sort of the, the the Monday morning quarterback question, right? Would infrastructure have still gotten passed um, if the progressives held uh, held it held this bill? I, I don't know the answer to that. I, my my guess is that they still would have managed to. I don't know. I really don't know, actually. But I can't say I'm surprised by Manchin, though. I mean, I didn't, I, I think that he, the signs were pointing towards him sort of torpedoing this. But I mean, still, yes. just an absolute, it's an embarrassment for the Biden administration. I mean, their biggest priority gets tanked by a member of their own party who then sends them to voicemail while he delivers the news on Fox. I mean, can you even imagine that happening in the GOP? Can you even, can no, you even never. fathom that? It doesn't happen. They don't let that happen because they actually. Could you imagine
1: Mitt Romney going on MSNBC and doing that to, (laughs) to Trump's tax bill? Like, of course not. That would never happen.
0: McConnell would have taken him behind the the Capitol building and, like, totally. killed him probably, right? I mean, that just doesn't happen in Republican politics. They, they fall in line. Democrats don't. Um, I, you know, I do – I wonder – the question now, I think, is this thing actually dead? Because the way that Manchin talked about it, he sort of he, – he left open the idea, I think, of can they negotiate some parts of this bill as sort of like um, – yeah, uh, You know, a la carte issues, some of the climate right, stuff, yeah, perhaps yeah. the child care, preschool. I don't know. The fact that Saki came out and the White House came out and basically nailed him on this, I think, suggests that they don't think that he's negotiating and they think it's over. Um, we'll see, I guess. But but just – again, it's not shocking that this happened, but how it went down, I mean, God, if you're the White House right now, you're just like <laughs> – you can't get any more bad news.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's move on, Carlo. we got some other big stuff we got to follow this morning. Not sure if you saw quite the expose the New York Times had in terms of an investigation over the weekend focusing on the casualties of the U.S. drone war in the Middle East. The New York Times found that civilian deaths were far more widespread than previously known, and that was across multiple administrations, the Obama and the Trump administration. The, um, the paper got its hand on a secret Pentagon archive that describes many drone strikes as relying on deeply flawed intelligence that led to thousands of civilian deaths, including many children in Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan. And this started in the late days of the Bush administration, ratcheting up during the Obama years and then exploding during the Trump presidency. I think the thing that stood out to me the most in this investigation, and I guess it's not really a surprise, was just how much the death count was severely undercounted based off of these civilian deaths.
0: Yeah. I recommend reading this, uh, this this piece that was on A1 of the Sunday Times yesterday. You know, this is – the New York Times drives me crazy sometimes, but they are one of the only newspapers out there that still has the resources they to do money an investigation investigative like
1: this. They journalism.
0: Yeah, and they did it with the Pentagon pushing back on them for months. Um, the Biden administration, by the way, you know, been knocking them on a lot of things today and lately they have significantly pared back the u.s air war uh the drone war since taking office by one account uh there were 1600 american airstrikes in iraq and syria during the first 11 months of the trump presidency and just four in the first 11 months of the biden presidency I i feel like nobody knows this and it's really strange to me because the white house has not been messaging on this they haven't been talking about it it's almost like they don't want people to know and i think that a lot of americans would be pleased to know that you know our the drone war has sort of dialed back in a lot of places i mean president biden say what you will about him on a lot of things but he you know he took a 20 point hit to his approval rating to get out of afghanistan he's more or less ended the drone war in the Middle East. Um, and it, I don't know, it's like, it's not breaking through. I guess that's always the case, right? Foreign, foreign policy just doesn't break through, especially when there's so many things happening domestically. So I still find it notable though.
1: Yeah, uh, and the New York Times, by the way, saying that they have a follow-up in this, uh, this a uh, part two of this investigation that is going to be coming uh, in the coming days. So we'll no doubt uh, keep you guys apprised on that during, this, uh, during the week. Meanwhile, let's talk about the box office, because we knew Spider-Man was going to do really well this weekend, Carlo. We just didn't think it was going to break every COVID-era box office record possible spider-man no way home opened not just to 100 million dollars which was what people were expecting here how about this 253 million over the weekend and that is the biggest debut of the pandemic by far and it's the biggest ever for a spider-man flick and it also, by the way, pandemic aside, the third biggest domestic opening of all time behind just those two Avenger movies. And the records fell in spite of the new virus wave we're seeing, giving Hollywood some much needed evidence that people are uh, jonesing uh, to get back into the theaters here. I mean, d- Globally. I thought was interesting here over 500 million dollars. A lot of that coming from Europe, which is also getting hit incredibly hard right now by the yeah. Omicron variant. And I wonder how much of this is tied to not just the Spider-Man um, fandom that is out there, which is huge, the Marvel fandom, but two. They did a really good job of promoting uh, and not talking about spoilers, but letting you know that there were spoilers in this movie if you didn't go and see this. So to avoid going to get the spoilers, you needed to see this, which I think really put a lot of butts in the seats.
0: It's interesting, right? Because, I mean, you said, like, it, it it's some much needed evidence that people are trying to go back to the theaters and they're trying. They're, they want to go back to the theaters for these big franchise blockbusters. If you uh, yes. if you look deeper at the box office numbers this weekend, this film Nightmare Alley. Uh, oh, which yeah. Was a, terrible. Gear, Guillermo Del Toro, uh, Oscar winning yeah. big name director, Bradley Cooper as the star. Cape Blanchett, if ever there Yeah, Kate Blanchett, A-list names, three million dollars it made. Uh the studio that made that movie must be really bummed out. Oh, wait, it's Disney actually. So yep. <laughs> Disney's Disney,
1: Disney search line. And and this is what's so interesting, Carlo. Adult dramas, I mean, Gucci did okay in terms of like yeah. COVID standards for an adult drama, but every adult drama is bombing at the box office, which is why a lot of box office analysts out there are speculating. Do you see, you know, these big studios put adult dramas now on streamers? Is that the thing that we've learned during the pandemic, that adult dramas play well on streamers, but not in theaters? And the only films that people are going to see are these high, big budget superhero films.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think that it... (sighs) Again, it's like you know older people are the ones who go see, you know, those the, the movies like House of Gucci, French dispatch those sorts of West like Sites adult Boyd dramas was down
1: almost seventy percent West- this weekend.
0: Yeah, and I think the, I think it's still – I think COVID is still keeping those people out of the theaters. Hopefully that will change because I, I can't live in a world where these are the only – you know, Spider-Man and Avengers are the only I'm movies same. that come to theaters, same. right?
1: <laughs> same, same. I don't know. By the way, I was watching this weekend. This also was the first time I've ever seen AMC do a commercial. I don't. It has Nicole Kidman in it. Have you seen it, by I've the way? I've seen
0: that commercial. Yeah, it's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen it where basically they're telling people – you know, don't watch movies on your on your streaming device. Movies are made to be watched in a theater. I've right. never I hadn't seen that that ad until this weekend, which I thought was interesting. Uh speaking of the pandemic, let's talk about it in the sports world because games are getting canceled left and right across professional sports. That is COVID rips through the leagues once again, filling up teams, reserve lists even though virtually every player testing positive for the virus is either asymptomatic or mildly sick here. The NFL amending their strict testing policy and will no longer require asymptomatic vaccinated players to test weekly The league, also allowing high risk players to opt out of the rest of the season as well. The NHL suspending games that involve uh, cross border travel until after Christmas. And there are concerns that the hockey league won't be able to send any players to Beijing for the Olympics Um, uh, last week. You know, Canadian hockey teams were basically having less than fifty percent of their stands full. We're getting back into that phase of the sports world all over again. We're going to see less and less people in the stands. And on the topic of the Beijing Olympics, we remember how much COVID played a role in the Tokyo games just recently. Yeah. What What are the Beijing games going to look like in the next couple of months? I'm totally curious about that.
0: It, it, it may be that the NHL doesn't send any players, which would obviously be terrible for a Winter Olympics. Hockey's like the one thing yeah, that we no have, hockey. right? Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, in the NBA, five games have been postponed uh, amid a wave of players in the COVID protocol. I think basically every player on the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> almost oh, has COVID. Yeah. I was supposed to go to the Nets game on Saturday and we blew it off um, just because even though I'm you know, I keep saying how I don't care about COVID anymore, I'm still trying to not get it before Christmas. Um, and I'm glad that we did because again, first of all, everybody was on the the protocol, including Kevin Durant. So it was basically like watching like a high school uh, you know uh, high school basketball game. <laughs> At one point the Nets were actually gonna bring back Kyrie Irving, who's their right unvaccinated wow. holdout. And then they he immediately tested into the COVID protocol, so it's just like it's like a joke, right? But I think that I do think, in all seriousness, that the leagues really have to, they got to start changing the way that they're thinking about this. Um, You know, these are like the healthiest people on the face of the earth, right? I don't think that at this point, basketball, football, hockey players should be benched and have to continue to test out um, if they're not legitimately sick, right? In the same way that like you know, you know, Michael Jordan famously played with the flu. If you've got a little bit of a head cold and you want to be able to play.
1: I know I agree with you, but what do you do about the spread? That's obviously, I think the, I think they're more concerned about the spread yeah. rather than like how healthy they feel on this, because I feel like that's probably why they're in COVID protocols. Cause I am I agree with you in the sense that like these athletes are the healthiest people on the planet. They take better care of their bodies right. than any of us would do with their whole, our whole lives. But I'm curious, it's because I'm sure they don't want more of their players than getting sick as a result, which is why they're all entering into these protocols.
0: Well this is this is back to what I was saying last week we we can't stop this thing from spreading we have learned this by now right, right? like it's 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 spreading it's spreading even with all of these restrictions in place even with these vaccinations we've got to just i think throw our hands up and be like this thing is going to rip through the population here um and you know, if you, uh, if you are vaccinated and boosted, it's not going to be that big of a deal for you. Uh, anyway. Well, can, this is I why I we say, talk about this all yeah. the
1: time about risk management. This is the next phase we're yes, in. Exactly. The likelihood of us all getting COVID is incredibly high right. at some point in our life. And now it's just the risk management phase. Uh, exactly. Yeah, Carlo, let's go into more to know right now. Stock futures pointing sharply lower this morning that ahead of the shortened trading week. That is, investors digest the rapid spread of Omicron and the news that the Build Back Better bill in Washington – Appears dead in the water. Goldman Sachs even lowered their growth forecast for next year, setting the difficulties in getting that spending bill passed.
0: There's much more to talk about on on Mansion. I think because he, oh yeah, God, it's it's really I just it, it's almost remarkable because he negotiated that whole bill. He negotiated with the Democrats exactly what he wanted, and then he tossed it back. It's it's amazing. Anyway, um, overseas now, Chile has uh, elected the leftist Gabriel. Boric to be its next president. That makes him the 35-year-old former student activist. He will become the youngest ever leader of that Latin American country. Uh, he ran on a platform of reducing inequality, raising taxes on the rich, and addressing climate change. He beat his far-right competitor by 12 points, much larger than the polls anticipated. Chile, of course, in the process of drafting their first uh, post-Pinochet uh, constitution. He will have to, he will have a big role in that, but remarkable, uh, remarkable to see that happening in Latin America right now.
1: Liberals in uh, around the world doing really well in a lot of elections. There was an election uh, just in the UK for a huge uh, seat that the Tories, the Conservatives had for decades, and the Liberals mm-hmm. won that going to Parliament, just showing the struggles that we're seeing uh, Boris Johnson having in the UK. Uh, meanwhile, all the people reported missing in last week's tornado outbreak in Kentucky have now been accounted for. That ac- according to the governor, Andy Bashir, the death toll from that outbreak now stands at 76 in Kentucky and 91 in total. One incredible story of survival, Carlo, that is coming out. Two little babies were put in a bathtub under a blanket as those twisters were coming. They were swept away but were found more, uh, more or less unharmed but still in that bathtub. Wow, what a remarkable story.
0: That is a crazy story. Uh, Check that out in the local papers in Kentucky this morning. Uh, Truly unbelievable. Um, Meanwhile, sticking uh, going back overseas, I should say at least 200 people dead after a super typhoon hit the Philippines. Hundreds of thousands of people have been displaced. Uh, This Typhoon Ray, they're calling it Odette for some reason uh, locally, but Typhoon Ray hit the country on Thursday. Basically, is the equivalent of a Category 5 hurricane, making it the strongest storm of the year.
1: Uh, Elon Musk, Times Person of the Year, claims he's going to pay more than eleven billion in taxes this year. Carlo Musk, who is worth about two hundred and fifty billion and is the richest man in the world by far, has been sparring on Twitter with Senator Elizabeth Warren, who called him a freeloader. He responded back, calling her Senator Karen. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, I'm, I don't, the thing I don't understand about Musk is like, why would you spend any time on Twitter at all if you were that rich? He's There's on it, so it all much, of the time. There's so much better use. Of, like time is the one thing that you don't, you don't have. You know, no matter how rich you are, there's only so much time in life. I don't understand it. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Warren, by the way, also uh, testing positive for COVID, uh, and she and also. Cory Booker, too. Uh, and finally, the jury in the Elizabeth Holmes trial starts its first full day of deliberations today. They're responsible for assessing these 11 charges of conspiracy and fraud against the former Theranos founder. I do not expect we're going to get a verdict uh, cl- maybe by the end of the week, but I don't think it's going to be really soon because this is just, this trial's been going on forever and it's uh, rather complicated. But we will keep you posted, is, of course.
1: And one thing I'll just note on that one: one uh, again, twelve jurors, eight men, four women. She only has to uh, convince one of those twelve jurors uh, to go on her side on this, and she uh, she wins this case. So the likelihood that she basically prevails here is incredibly high, Carlo.
0: Interesting. I think that she I, – I think she is going to walk, actually. I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, um, sorry to be a little haggard this morning, guys. We're, we're, we're doing this remote. <laughs> that's what you do. Uh, yeah, and we're just trying to get through it, okay? So we'll not, not get through this. I mean get through sort of life. Anyway, that's what you need to know for Monday, December 20th. <laughs> and God willing, we'll see you back here tomorrow, guys. Stay hey, safe. Amen.